Well, I want to begin a, a new series with us today. And I'm thankful that we, I get several Sundays to preach this. I want to begin to, to share a message with you, a series of teaching and encounters on the person and the function of the Holy Spirit. Not just the, the, I want you to see him as a person. We understand in Orthodox Christianity, there's one God, but he reveals himself in three natures. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, but he reveals himself in these three ways. Uh, so we want to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. Not just the title, but an encounter. Uh, my series is entitled, Resident God. What does that mean? We're going to understand that more and more as we go through this resident God. We want to understand the function. We want to understand the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. You may have been a Christian a long time. You may have been baptized in the Holy Spirit for years. I'm so thankful. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit for over 40 years. How many can say, come on, me, I, I've walked with him a little bit. And, and, and I love the presence of God. And I continue to learn more and more about how the Holy Spirit operates in my life, my life, so we can continue to do this. this. This concept of resident God, what is a resident God? I want you to grab that and understand this has been God's plan from the beginning. So very quickly, let, let's take a little quick update scripture, a little walk from where God began to reveal himself until where we are today. Let me say this about the Bible. You know, I, every once in a while I have somebody say, uh, well, let me help you with this. Why, what is the Bible? What does it do? What is it for? What's God's plan? First of all, I want you to listen closely. The Bible is not just a history book. The historical facts in it are accurate. Everything in the Bible is accurate, but it wasn't written primarily as a history book. How many hear what I'm saying? The, the Bible and everything it says is accurate. The Bible and everything it says about the human race and humanity is accurate, but the Bible is really not a sociology book. The Bible was written for one reason. It is the revelation of God to man. That's the Bible, the revelation of God to man. Now, everything the Bible says is accurate. All the dates are accurate. All the figures are accurate. All the history is accurate. All the science is accurate. All the sociology is accurate. But you couldn't write in one book every event that's happened uh, in, in the millennia of, millennia of the human race. So what's the, what's the purpose? God wants to reveal himself to us. So as we go back and we, and, and, and we look at this, what is it that God is revealing to us? What is the progressive revelation of God that has brought us to the point where we are today to understand what it means to have a resident God? See, in the Old Testament, the, the Godhead figure, the, the, the one that we see interacting most uh, currently or frequently in the Old Testament was God the Father. He would reveal himself in, in, in many different ways, although he created this earth, the universe, and everything that exists. And the Bible says in Psalms that the earth is the Lord's. God, uh, in that day, in that era, in that dispensation, he, he would come strategically. He would speak through the prophets. He would reveal himself. But in that time, I want you to get this, God never indwelt his people. He would come upon them, but he did not live within them individually. That was a, the beginning revelation of God to man. God would reveal himself. God was clear, was mighty, he was powerful. But in that day and time, this God who desires to be a resident God would come upon his prophets. Then the spirit would lift. He would come upon his people. He would lead them and guide them, but he did not indwell them 
at that time because something was yet to come. God revealed himself in amazing ways. He, he, he would give his name. He, was, he said, I'm El Shaddai, which means the all-sufficient God, right? He said he's Elohim, Elohim, he, the God is present. Adonai, he said he's the great I am. We had a prayer night in this past month where we prayed around the revealed names of God. His name Jehovah, or we say it, or the Hebrew would be Yahweh, and they would even say it a little differently than that uh, in true Hebrew. But, but the name Jehovah, God spoke that name 6,519 times in the Old Testament. Is that amazing? Jehovah, Yahweh, 6,500 times he said his name. The Jews thought that name was so holy they wouldn't speak it. Those that, would, that, that, that copied by hand the scrolls of God's word would stop and wash their hands every time before they wrote the name of God. And then they would continue inscribing what was there. It's amazing. And that name Yahweh is Jehovah. Uh, That that means the God who is omnipotent, who is omnipresent, powerful, present, who knows everything. You know, he revealed himself in all those names. I could go through those, but I I, I need to move on today. I was going to give the list, but I want to do it. So we come to Exodus 29 and verse 46. And notice what God said during this dispensation. What was his end goal for his revelation of God to man. Uh, we read in verse 46 of Exodus 29, they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt. Look at this. Why did God deliver an entire nation of people out of bondage and do something? Why? So that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. What was the whole reason? Not to just make them free, not to just get hard work off their life, although those are some amazing collateral blessings, but the goal of God, I want to dwell with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to be close to you. Somehow over the years, the church has not done a good job of revealing the heart of God. I know people that are not in church today because they think God's out to get them. So they think if I stay away from church, at least I've got a little distance, huh? If I don't go, at least he's got to come find me. He knows where you are. <laughs> you know, I've said all the time, if God was out to get you, pardon my, my grammar, you'd be got by now, right? If God was out to get us, we're not that hard to find. If you think CIS and global positioning and satellites in space can read your license plate from space to where you are today, if you're worried about who's peeping through your phone at you or watching you through your smart TV, listen, God knows the number of hairs on your head, the tears that fall from your eyes. When you get up, when you lay down, if you go to the bottom of the sea, he says, hello. If you get to Mount Everest, he says, what, do you, what took you so long? You see, God knows where you are, who you are, what you're doing. If God was out to get and kill every sinner, there'd be no one on the planet for all have sinned and come short the glory of God but it is the patience and the mercy and the kindness of God that has allowed us to live till we get to know God has never been against me God is for me God wants to be near me God wants to dwell with me he wants to be a resident God so in that Old Testament we began to see that but the, the, the and he said there can be no images there can be no idols. He, he would reveal himself. But, but there was nothing we could make with our hands that would ever comprehend or, 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 or really reveal him. And what God was saying then and what he's saying to us today, I want you to get this. What is God wanting to do in this church right now? 
What is God wanting to do in his church right now? What is God wanting to do in your life and my life right now? Listen, God wants to have a habitation, not just a visitation in your life. Did you get what I said? God wants to make a habitation, not just visit you on Sundays in your life. He wants to be the resident God. But there was an ongoing revelation. There, there was a progress that had to take place. So during that Old Testament was God the Father that was the primary earthly revelation of God. But then the birth of Jesus radically shifted that. And, 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 and the, the, the person of the Godhead who became the earthly representative architect and revealer of God was Jesus the Son. It shifted what happened? Now, we, we had God born of a woman. He put on our flesh suit and walked among us. He never lost his nature as God, but he laid down his privileges of God and walked into our life. Look at John chapter 1 with me. John 1 verse 1. Let's, let's, let's read that moment. Something radically shifted. God was now taking the revelation of himself as a resident God to an entirely new level. John chapter 1 and let's look at verse number 1. John 1, 1. This, this revelation. I need to lay some foundation so I can teach you over these next few weeks. All right, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. See, Word is capitalized. See that? So what does that mean? Anytime in Scripture where a title is given and is capitalized, it's referring to God in an authorized translation. In the same way, when you read through an authorized translation of the Scripture, when Spirit is capitalized, it's always referring to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in the beginning was what? What is one of the names? The Word. Not a word, the Word. And the Word was with God. Are you ready? And the Word was God. Jesus was not a man. He was not just a man. He was not just a teacher. He was not just a rabbi. He was not just a prophet. He is God who put on our skin and walked on this planet through a virgin birth. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, verse 2, he was with God in the beginning. Look at this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. I love this verse. The light shines in the darkness, huh? And the darkness has not overcome it. Come on, thank God. The, the power of the devil has not been able to overcome the great power of God. Now let's drop down to verse number 9. What, what happened here? We read this. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They didn't understand what God had done. He came to that which was his own, to the Jews, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the authority, the power to do what? To become children of God. Children born out of natural descent. What does that mean? He, he's not talking about our natural birth. Now there's another birth he's talking about. See? Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of what? Born of God. Then look at verse 14. The Word, see the capital again? The Word, God the Son, the Word of God, Jesus. God's Word came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Jesus came, God put flesh on and walked on this planet. And for the first time, we got to watch, see, listen, hear, and see exactly what God was like. 
He's the Word. He's the will of God. I love this. Now look at verse 14 in the message translation. Look at this. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Come on. Come on. Hey, isn't that amazing? The Word became flesh and blood and moved in the neighborhood. You know what people love to do? We love nowadays in our culture. We have a victimized mentality in our culture today. Come on. Everybody ought to say it's true. Even if you don't like it, don't say so be it, but say it's true. Come on. Don't we have the most victimized mindset that's ever existed in the history of the human race? The United States of America has more blessing than any nation on the planet, and we, we act like we're the most victimized people. Every once in a while, I hear everybody whining and crying about how hard their life is, and inside I chuckle and say, I wish you could have been with me a few places I've been on this planet. I wish you could have walked into the grass hut and the dirt floor that I've been in. I wish you could have seen the little children with their bellies extended, because they haven't eaten. I wish you could see the places where the flies are thicker than the clothes on their body. I wish you could have walked through the cities of Calcutta, India and watched the the carts come by every morning and pick up the people who died that night living on the streets. I wish you could see the governments that I've been in those countries where you can't preach the gospel and you hide to preach and you go to secret places. I wish I could take you. There's not anyone in this nation that should not thank God for the opportunities that you have and the blessing that God has brought on us. It's not perfect. Everybody has issues, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't say nobody cares. Come on, leave it up there. You can't say nobody knows what it's like. God came from heaven, put on our flesh suit, and moved in your neighborhood. He goes to your school, works where you work, knows what you know, feels what you feel. He tastes what you taste. He sees your tears. He feels your pain. God came because he's the resident God. He's not way off in heaven who doesn't care, who doesn't know, who doesn't understand. He walked through everything you walked through. He got up with you this morning. He knows the burden of your heart today. He knows what made you cry last night. He knows what makes you happy today. He's the God who moved into your neighborhood because he is the resident God. Come on, let's thank him for who he is. Thank you, God. Moved into the neighborhood. Everybody else is getting out of the hood, and he's moving into it. (laughs) Everybody left. Nobody wants to live here. Jesus does. No, (laughs) I'm telling you, you need to understand who this God is. Everybody's getting out of the ghetto, and he's moving in. Everybody hides from the homeless camp, and he goes in the tent. Everybody's standing on the street corner begging for food. We look the other way. He's standing there with his arm around him. He knows what their stomach feels like. He's the resident God. He's the resident God. He's been there. He's in it. He's too close to it not to do it. He's the resident God. The resident God. So, so I, I, I've got to hurry. I'm, getting, I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I'm introducing right now. But see, here's the deal. This resident God, Jesus, God the Son, who walked on this planet for three and a half years and moved in our neighborhood, he died on the cross so we could be saved. Three days later, he was raised from the dead and defeated every stronghold of hell. The Bible said when he did that, he made a public spectacle, Colossians 2, of Satan and disarmed him. But then 40 days after that, He went back to the Father. So now what are we going to do? In the Old Testament, 
was God the Father, see, who, who, who revealed God's nature to us. During the Gospels, it was God the Son who took it to another level, literally put on our flesh and moved in the neighborhood. But he left. So what are we going to do now? I'm glad you asked. Let's, let's go to John 14 and verse 15. What, what happened? I mean, that's good. But it, it's all, I mean, hey, what, what happened? We, we didn't get to see that. I mean, he, he didn't, you know, we didn't get to sit down and hear him teach the parables. And, 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 and we didn't get to see him walk through the streets of Jerusalem. And so what, what's, what's up for us now? What, there were, you know, it's God the Father, God the Son. Now, now what's happening with this resident God? John 14, verse 15. We're in the upper room. We're, we're at the Last Supper. Jesus is hours from his arrest. And before this time, in 24 hours forward, he'll be crucified. So what is he saying to them and to us? Uh, John 14, 15, we read this. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. You know, it, it, boy, that's, that's a message there, uh, but not mine for today. You know how I show God I love him? I do what he tells me to do. I could really go at that church because nobody preaches like that much anymore. But, he, you know, I should worship him. I should praise him. I should, I, I should do things. But really, if I, if, you, if I want to show God I love him, I obey him. It's easy to say I love you. It's another thing to obey him. How many are with me? You know, in fact, if you obey God, you don't have to tell anybody you love him. Everybody knows it, including God. All right? So let me go on. That was just a little free commercial while I'm finding this place. Verse 16. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Verse 16, and look at this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Some translation says comforter. I don't know what this one says. Uh, advocate. Perfect synonym. So, so watch this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, comforter, advocate. To do what? To, to help you and be with you forever. All right? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because the world doesn't see him. See, how many times have heard people, well, if God's real, how come I can't see him? Same reason you're breathing, big boy. <laughs> you can't see your breath, but you count on that. I mean, that, isn't that the most, don't people say some of the most foolish things? Trying to deny the presence of an obvious God. There are many times, I have to tell you, it's harder to disbelieve than believe. It's more ridiculous rationally to not believe in God than to believe in him just rationally okay so so it says the world hasn't accepted him because it doesn't see him and they don't know him okay but watch this you know him for he lives what he lives with you and he will be oh so now this resident God who's been progressively revealing himself from Adam and Eve in the garden to this day, began as God the Father, as the representative, the advocate, the interactive one of the Godhead in the Old Testament. And then with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem a little over 2,000 years ago, the revelation of God goes to another level. For now, God not only is visiting and, and, and speaking to the prophets and at times manifesting his presence in different ways, but now God in Jesus Christ comes and puts our skin on and walks into the neighborhood and is tempted how we're tempted and knows what we feel, yet always rose above it. But then he's going to leave and these guys are panicking and they're saying, whoa, we just got used to this. What in the world do you mean you're going to go? 
because he told them, it's for your advantage that I'm going. They said, we don't understand that. What's better than this? How, how in the world can you tell me that when I wake up, there you are? When I don't know how to answer anybody, I just look to you. When people ask us questions, we don't know. We just back up and let you answer questions. When we can't cast demons out, we just back up and let you cast demons out. When there's a storm, you tell the water to be still. You know, if you can't, we, what are we going to do without you? And then he says, don't worry, it's going to be better. They can't comprehend that. I don't know if I could have comprehended that. He says, it's going to be better. Why is it going to be better? Because he says, although I am bodily, physically returning to the Father, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And up until this time, you've known God the Father, you understand God the Son, but now you're about to encounter God the Holy Spirit. And where it has been God walking with you, now God's going to start living inside you. And now the residence of God is not somewhere outside. The residence of God is inside you. And the highest revelation that God has ever made what he started in the Garden of Eden and tracked through to this day is that the highest revelation of God is not a God who's just with you but the God who now lives inside of you God living in you according to Jesus is actually better than Jesus physically walking beside you and the amazing thing about that is though see it, it even as wonderful as the revelation of God the son in our flesh living in our neighborhood but you see if I got 10 miles away hey if I got one mile away from Jesus I was out of touch with him then see but now but now God's resident in us God's resident in us I don't have to worry where is he if Jesus is down in Jerusalem I'm over in Capernaum I got problems See, if I'm, down at the, uh, uh, in, uh, if I'm down here in southern uh, Israel, if I'm down somewhere, you know, and, uh, traveling and, and I run into a problem and Jesus is up on the north side, I'm, I'm in trouble. Or if he moved in my, my auntie's neighborhood, but he didn't move in mine, I need some help. If he's over there with grandma in the prayer meeting, I need him down over here in this one. But now, 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 he's not with us, only he's in us now. And so if you're there, he's there. Everywhere you go, there he is. When you go to sleep, when you wake up, you don't have to have the big preacher, the reverend doctor, bishop, apostle, holiness, whatever else you say. All you have to do is say, Jesus, and the spirit of God's in your life. If the little bitty boy and girl can lay hands on the sick and they can recover, anybody has him everywhere you go when the power of God moves in your life. He's a resident God. Do you understand that now? He's residing in us. He said it's going to be better. He said, I'm going to send another one. I'm going to send one. And the, 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 the terminology when he said another counselor, comforter, advocate, another means one that is not me but like me. God, you're going to have another God. God's going to walk in. God, the Spirit, not another God, pardon me. God's going to reveal himself in a new way, in a greater way. You've seen God the Father in the Old Covenant. You, you've experienced God the Son. He said, you're about to be indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And he said, he's going to stay with you forever. See, he's the resident God. See, the definition of resident is the inhabitant. Oh, <laughs> See, why is he a resident God? Because he's inhabiting us. The resident is an inhabitant. Another synonym for resident is the homeowner. Oh, I like that. 
See, see, I'm the house, but he's the homeowner. Come on, punch somebody. Tell him we, we belong. See, he's the homeowner. I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm just the house. He's the homeowner. I don't own this house. He owns this house. The Bible said you've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and you're not your own. This is just my house. Listen, someday I'm going to move out of this house. Don't, don't be too sad because I'm going to move into the better place. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Someday I'm moving out of this house. He's the homeowner. And, and I'm, he's indwelling. He's the homeowner. He's the resident. He's the inhabitant. He's the indweller. The Bible is very clear. Uh, and, and go ahead. Let's, let's turn to John chapter 3. See, some of the smartest, most well-educated, John 3, religious people struggle with this simple revelation of God. Religion doesn't understand the residency of God. Religion trips up over the residency of God. How did this happen? How could God move in us? Think of that. How could God do that? If you've read your Bible and you look at the intricate uh, plans and, and ritual that had to be followed... For God to dwell in the Holy of Holies and what the high priest had to do to access that presence, one person on the planet, one day a year, the, 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 the plans and steps and protocol to arrive. So how, just to walk in the space where his presence dwells. So now he lives in us, stays with us 24-7. How in the world? Only by the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood of Jesus. See, all those sacrifices in the Old Covenant were just telling us there's something better coming. All the law were just pointing to the fulfillment of the law. All the prophets under, under that Old Covenant were just saying the better one's coming. Something's happening. See, the power of Jesus on the cross was so amazing. The sacrifice of himself that literally when we come to God as wounded, broken, carnal sinners, the blood of Jesus washes us body, soul, spirit breaks the chains off the past, forgives us. In the eyes of God, we look righteous. Is that amazing? We look righteous. Not because we earned it, not because we begged for it, not because we bought it, but because Jesus paid for it on the cross. And when the blood of Jesus washes us clean, we are now available for the Spirit of God to come take residence inside of us. Oh, see, and what happens, see, you've you got to get this. Being a, a Christian, a born-again believer in the new covenant doesn't just mean I've stopped doing the bad stuff. It means that in the place of that, God's Spirit now lives in us, and now we're doing the God stuff. Come on, how many heard what I'm talking about? We're not just a bunch of uptight, oh, better not do that, quit doing that, you know, church lady on Saturday Night Live, Aunt Esther, if you want to go old school on Sanford and Son, you know, we're not just, Fred, you better quit that, Fred. You and Lamont. And so it's not just about that. We're not just running around pointing fingers and judging. See, we once were lost and now we're found. We were sinners and the blood of Jesus washed us so clean that God says, I can move in that place. And he became resident, not because of what we'd done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. See, see religion stumbled. John 3 verse 1, Nicodemus was of the highest religious order and training of the day. And we read, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. See, now these, these religious leaders hated Jesus. They're the ones who killed him. But Nicodemus is honest enough to say, there's something going on here. I don't get it. Something's going on. 
So he sneaks over at night. You understand what I'm saying? Anytime you go visit some lady at night, it's because you're hiding. Okay. So, so, so see, it's always been that way. So he said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. So he was slipping around. And, and, and he said, Rabbi, we know your teacher has come from God. How did he know that he was a teacher who had come from God? How did he know that? Well, we read it. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. You know what America needs today? The skeptical, carnal, divided, victimized culture we live in. You know what they need to see? More miracles. More wonders. More of the power of God. I love it. You know, a man who just got healed of cancer, you don't have much of an argument with him that Jesus doesn't heal anymore. You know, the very fact that we argue theologically is proof that we don't have enough of the presence of God operating in the church. See, if the presence of God was operating as he wants it to, there wouldn't be much to argue about. Reinhard Bonnke, who's won millions to Christ in Africa, says this. You don't have to define the lion. You don't have to defend the lion. You don't have to debate the lion. Just let the lion out of the cage and he'll take care of himself every single time. We are debating and arguing and theologically posturing because we are talking about God of a theory. But even if you don't like him, even if you don't believe in him, even if he's against everything you stand for like Nicodemus, you have to say, I don't know who you are. I don't like who you are. I'm intimidated by who you are. But because of the miraculous signs you're doing, God has to be with you. That's what the church needs today. In reply, Jesus declared, look at this. It's like he interrupted right in the middle. I, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. He said, Let's just stop, Nicodemus. I don't want to debate theology. He said, you can't even see this thing until you're born again. So watch this response. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus said, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. He said, come on, man, you lost your mind. What do you mean this born again stuff? What does that mean? Because he's thinking physically, carnally, religiously. Anybody with me? He, he doesn't understand this resident God that's about to go to another level. So Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's the first birth. Okay. But the spirit, oh, gives birth to spirit. That's the second birth. That's born again. You should not be surprised by saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So see, when in, in, this, in this ultimate revelation of God that we are blessed to live in, God the Father, then God the Son, now God the Holy Spirit. What happens through the precious blood of Jesus shed on the cross that redeems us and washes us and cleanses us when we're born again? See, becoming a Christian, or come on, stay with me, is not just joining the church. It's not just getting dunked in the baptistry. It's not just getting sprinkled on your head. It's not just taking communion. It's not just going through the motion. Listen, I don't want to be ugly or crude, but you can go to hell with baptismal waters running off your face and a communion cup in your hand. 
You have to be born of the Spirit. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I repented of my sin. I accept you as my Savior. The blood of Jesus washes us. We stand righteous before God. And God moves in by His Spirit and takes up residence. And you're born again. You literally, listen, listen, you get regenerated. You're made different from the inside out. I said that the way I wanted to. That's not, I didn't say regenerated. Generated, you're regenerated. I'm telling you, he begins to change your nature because now the Spirit of Almighty God's living in your life. Oh, I, I, I've got more scripture I can't read today. See, the Bible says, I, wouldn't you love it? Wouldn't you love, love, love it that when you're born again, the old nature has to go? But as long as I'm living in this old flesh tent, the human nature's still with me. So now that you're born again, watch this, you've got two natures. Paul said in Romans 7, Paul the apostle, the mighty man of God, he said there are times I can't do the good things I want to do. And there's times I keep doing the bad things I don't want to do. He said, who's going to rescue me from this battle, from this body of flesh? And then he says, but thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, I am redeemed. And then Romans 8, 1, he's still talking. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, although I'm in the battle, I'm still in the struggle. It's not my perfection. It's my direction that, come on, I'm moving, moving. If I fall down, I fall forward. I told somebody last week that God saved. I said, now listen, have you ever been swimming? He said, yes, sir. I said, you didn't drown, did you? He said, no, sir. I said, why? He sa- I said, because you knew when to get out of the water. If you fall down in sin, once you've got saved, get up out of that sin. Ask God to forgive you. Don't drown in that and move on down the road two natures but the bible says greater is the one that is inside me than the old one trying to push me back where i've been galatians 5 says i'm going to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh i'm moving see that this this old nature is now going to be beaten and conquered by the spirit of god that lives inside of me can a christian be tempted yes can a Christian, can the enemy try to pull on you? Yes, but you have the power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Now, if I never walk in the spirit, that carnal nature is going to rule my life. There's, there's a term that I hate, but it's a reality. It's called carnal Christians. What is that? Well, that's people who let God save them. Like, you know, they did him a favor. But they never did anything after that. They don't read the word. They don't worship. They don't pray. They don't get fellowship in their church. And they just, you know, kind of keep God in the back pocket. He's my insurance policy, you know. You know. And, and they're carnal. They, they, you know, they, instead of praying, they gripe. Instead of blessing, they cuss. <laughs> instead of being generous, they take. Instead of praying, they gossip. You're carnal, carnal. You, you know what I'm talking about. That's like that person said, Pastor, I'm coming today. I've been a gossip. I'm going to put my tongue on the altar. He said, I don't know if it's long enough. <laughs> you know, but anyway, you, you know what? It, it, it begins to be a carnal thing. But we can walk in the Spirit because God is resident. 
because God is for us and he's not against us and we have a new nature because not only does the Bible say there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus verse 2 says for what the what the flesh was weak and that it could not do the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death come on the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death so the resident God inside of me is greater than the carnal nature that had ruled my life so I'm going to walk in the spirit come on how many want to walk 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 see what's happening to us now is that we become the temples of the Holy Spirit God dwells in us he's the homeowner he's the resident he has indwelt us he owns us he's the mighty God living in us and now instead of having to run someplace and find the temple and the holy of the holies God is with us everywhere we go do you know what God listen I, I got to close but I got to have a little bit of illustration here do you know where God is right now what's God's address what do you think God's address is What's God's address? Is, I, don't, I don't even know what our address is here at this place. But do you think his address is 401 Church Street? Where does God live? Where does he go? Pastor Emilio, what's your address? Hey, my address is 745 County Road 69, Danville, Alabama. That's where God lives. That's God's residence right there. You understand? Lamont, what's your address? 303 Blackbird Drive. That's where God lives right there. Do you understand that? What's God's address? What's your address? 110 Frost Circle. 110 Frost. That's where God lives. What's your address? 1824 Presbyterian Drive. That's where God lives. God's a Presbyterian. Did you just hear that? <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, man, where do you work? GE. GE. God lives at GE. That's his address. You understand what I'm saying? Where do you work? Central. Central. That's where God lives right there. Come on, tell me your address. Well, I'm here right now. You're here. That looks so. wherever you are. That's it. Good. Come, come on, tell, where do you work? Contractor services. Contractor services. Did you know God lives with contractor services? Huh? 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 Where do you work? At home. At home. God's at home with that mom that stays at home every day. What about that? Come on. What's your address? 1120 London Place. London Place. God, do you get this? What's God's address? This, he just moved into your place. This guy just got baptized. He got saved two weeks ago. Come on. What's your address? 139 Southeast Simmons Road, Lacey Springs, Alabama. God lives in Lacey Springs. Somebody told me he didn't, but now he does. Come on. What do you think about that? See, that is amazing, man. Where do you go to school? East Limestone High School. East, uh, they, do you know God goes to East Limestone High School? Does God live out in Round Hillsboro anywhere? 1738 County Road, 438 Hillsboro, Alabama. That's Lawrence County. Lawrence County. God lives in Lawrence County. Isn't that amazing? Look at that stuff. Look at this. How many of you know, do you know uh, Michael Jackson goes to Calvary Assembly? <laughs> this is Michael Jackson here. You didn't know he looked like this, did you? Where does, where does God, what's your address, Mike? 2936 Legacy Drive. There, oh, Legacy. See, this is, this is the real Michael Jackson right there. Frank, where do you work? Lakeland. Industries. Lakeland is. You know, God lives at Lakeland Industry, and He also does something. What do you do at noon? <laughs> I'm actually a RPM instructor, fitness instructor. So God goes to the gym. Isn't that amazing stuff? Can you see this great God we serve? 
He lives where you live. He goes to work with you, goes to school with you, goes to work out with you. God is resident. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, the devil has an alarm that goes off in hell and says, oh, no, they got up again. And they're going to take God to school, God to work, God to work out, God to where they are. Come on, let's stand together. I want my musicians to join me. Come on. How many are thankful we serve the resident God? The God who is present at all times. And we're just starting to learn about this resident God. What a mighty God. What an awesome God. I'm thankful today that we serve the God who is mighty and able. You know, my friend back here, I just asked him where he lived. He lived in Lacey Springs. Lacey Springs. And he, listen, I want you to get this. He got saved two weeks ago. Here's what I want you to understand. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit over 40 years. I want you to get this. He has the same amount of God that I have right now. Same amount. Now, we might have to learn how to surrender to him, right? How to trust him, how to listen to his voice. Are you with me? But the very good news is, listen, when God moves in, he didn't half move in. He just moved in. He didn't say, well, I'm going to put a foot over there on that one. He's been pretty nasty. I don't know if I, no, he just comes on. He just trusts you and loves you that much. He just moves on in. We, we have some, we, we've been living in some pretty nasty places. Come on, tell the truth. And we're still, the, the day we get saved, you talk about God taking a risk. Blood of Jesus broke the power of hell, washed the sin out of your life. And God says, I'm moving in. I'm moving in. I'm moving in. Hey, listen, if you're trying to break an addiction, you're trying to be set free from a stronghold. Listen to me. From now on, when temptation knocks on the door, let God go Vince, open the door. You just stay out of the way. Are you with me? Understand. Send the Holy Spirit to the door this next time. The devil won't like to stay around. He'll, there's other places where it's easier. Just let the Holy Spirit open the door. The resident God. The resident God. He's mighty. You know, let's, we're, let, let's bow our heads together right now. I'm going to dismiss this in just a moment. How in the world could I talk about the resident God and not give everybody in the room a chance to welcome him in if you haven't done that? It'd be a crime. Christians, are you praying with me? Are you believing God with me? Do you remember the day he came, moved in? Oh, man, I thought it was great that day, but now I really understand more and more and more, and it's better than it was in the beginning. Heads are bowed. Everybody's believing God with me. You're here today, dear friend. God's for you, not against you. Why don't you invite him in today? Why don't you let him run the the enemy and the strongholds and the fear and the brokenness out of your life? And God move in you and start the journey right here, right now. Why don't you do it right now? Say, Pastor, I'm tired of this life without him. I'm tired of a, 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 a religion. I'm tired of a theory of God. I want to just open my life and welcome Jesus in. Those of you watching us on our social media platforms, come on, God, just stop me in my tracks. He said, look right at that camera and invite you to do it right now, right where you are. You're home because you've been afraid to come. But God just jumped into that place. Come on, right now, right where you are, right where you are. All right, I'm ready. You're here in this room. And you're saying, Pastor, today's my day. I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? It's my day. It's my day. It's my day. Come on, church, you're praying with me. Uh, Some of you say it's my day to be saved. It's my day to come back home. Would you just put your hand and say, it's me. It's me. Thank you. Who else? It's me. Who else? Come on, it's my day. It's my day. Come on, I'm not going to miss it. 
It's my day. It's my opportunity. Come on, who wants to say that and just say, Pastor, put me in this prayer. Don't leave me out. Don't leave me out of this thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty and for your hunger. Come on, let's pray. Come on, church family. Now, those of you that raise your hand, you, you need to connect. At the end of this service, we got some pastors who want to know you and meet you and, and, and just pray over you. You need to share what God has done and get connected. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me out loud. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I ask you to come live in my heart. Take up residence. Change me from the inside out. Set me free. Heal me where I'm broken. I give you my life. I confess you're my Savior. You're my Lord. I live for you every day for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me, healing me, setting me free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen.